Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Field is ready. They're racing in the Oaks. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Ladies Who Punt. Thank you so much for tuning in today. My name is Fiona Blair, and here with me is my co-host, Grace Ramage. Hi, Grace. Hello, Fee, and hello, everybody listening in again to Ladies Who Punt. Firstly... Uh, We have had some outstanding feedback from last week's episode, which is so encouraging to hear because there was a lot of information in it. Um, You know, we've really discussed some of those nitty gritty elements um, that make up the handicap and the benchmark rating system. And to hear that people loved that content is great for us because we're here trying to explain to people how things work. And, you know, um, I guess that hunger for the understanding is exactly what we're trying to give to people and I'm so happy that they're loving it as well. Yeah, I think we've certainly found our audience, Grace, haven't we? Yes. Everyone loving this sort of content. And this week we're going to aim to do it all again with barriers and speed maps. So, Grace, you're pretty pumped for this episode Mm -hmm. because barriers and speed maps are a big part of your form analysis. Why is that? Well, firstly, I am very excited about this episode because – Uh, I get genuinely excited when I do form analysis and barriers and speed maps is basically the starting point for all form analysis, the way that I do it. And I think the way um, or just a really good starting point for your understanding about how to predict the way the race might unfold, it all comes down to speed maps and barriers. So yes, you're right. I am very excited to try and explain to people what uh, it is to decode this topic, but also to try and help people work it out for themselves because it's so much fun like racing and and form analysis is all a puzzle which um you know you try and solve every time and it's so hard to solve so you keep trying and it's just I I absolutely love it so to be able to share some of that insight to um our audience I'm very excited for yeah and we will be uh, giving a few examples of exactly how you can apply looking at barriers and speed maps from a few of the races at Sandown this Saturday. So that'll be a bit later on. But for now, let's take a look at barriers. Okay, so barriers. This is where the horses start the race. They're put in a certain order and that order can really determine how the race sets up in the early stages. So Grace, how are they drawn first of all? Okay, so when we're talking about um, what barriers certain horses start from, normally, um, you know, on any race, on any given weekday, the barriers are drawn randomly. It's auto-generated once the final field uh, has been determined through Racing Australia, which is the governing body nationally of horse racing. They auto-generate the barriers, so it's completely random. So even if a horse continues to come up with the outside barrier every time and owners are, you know, spitting chips saying, this is just rigged, it's not fair. Well, it's just terrible luck, basically. Um, it all comes down to that auto generation of the barriers in regular racing. Now, the only exceptions are when we get to feature racing. 
It might be, you know, a group one race. It might just be a really rich race like the Everest. These races can be drawn still under the guidance of stewards, um, but by owners of the horses. So they might put on a barry draw event for the Melbourne Cup, which takes place over half an hour or so. And literally um, the steward will randomly pluck out a horse number and then the owner might come up for that horse. They'll pluck out a barrier and that's the barrier the horse will jump from. So that happens like for the Melbourne Cup, the Caulfield Cup, all those sort of feature races. But um, normally regular races are auto drawn through Racing Australia. Right. So last week we learned all about the numbering on saddle cloths, the highest weighted or highest rated horse to the lowest. Uh, And when you look at your form card, you can tell which barrier the horse is in by the number that follows their name in brackets. Yes. And Grace, what is the importance of barriers? Why do they play such a vital role in racing? Why do people get upset if they've drawn the car park, for example, which means, you know, probably the the outside barrier? Yeah, exactly. So, look, the importance of barriers um, is that it genuinely can affect your horse's winning chance. And I think that's that's the key. Um, A lot of people that have drawn in a big race, the Melbourne Cup, let's say again, 24 horses run. If you've drawn barrier 24, that's a big field of horses to sort of find your settling position, um, you know, navigate around through the run to get into the race at the right time. It makes it really difficult um, to be winning from certain barrier draws. That is an example of a why a wide barrier draw can be a disadvantage. There are lots of examples which we're going to be getting to shortly of why inside barrier draws can be a disadvantage as well. But I suppose um, in terms of the importance of barriers is it affects your horse's winning chance. And sometimes it's great and sometimes it's bad and we'll get to that shortly. Actually, let's get on to that now, Grace. What is a good draw and what is a bad draw? Hmm, okay, this is a tricky question. This is... This is a very tough one for me to answer because there are so many different thoughts out there about what's a good draw, what's a bad draw. Ultimately, it all depends on the horse, really. It differs all the time and it differs even with the same horse, but at different tracks. So these are all the things we're going to try and explain on this show. Let's think about the different styles of horses. So now's a good time to explain some of those words that you might hear on a racing coverage or people talk about on paces, a horse that's got good gait speed, and also those that are back markers. So let's talk about on paces firstly. So these are horses that generally like to settle close to the speed. So out of the barriers, they show good gait speed. They are really quick to begin. Bang, they're straight out. They know what their job is. They know their job is to pick up the bridle and really race to the front. So they are on pace horses. Then we can talk about the polar opposite to on-pace horses, which are back markers. These are those horses that in the barriers, they might be sort of just standing on, like leaning down on one leg, you know, just resting a little bit. The barrier's open. They're like, oh, I've got to go now. But they're a little bit slow to muster. They don't have that same gait speed where they ping the barriers. They're the opposite. They just sort of flop out and just take up a position at the rear of the field. That's what a back marker is. An example that we have used quite a lot in this podcast, I think he's probably out of work now, would be I'm Thunderstruck. Yes. Yeah. So he's one we've mentioned a few times who sort of sits behind and then swoops around later in the race. Yep, exactly. And, you know, these horses, there's no point in trying to change their barrier manners, even if they are concentrating in the barriers, even if they're alert. Um, You know, if you're a horse that genuinely 
doesn't begin well time and time again, you're not going to be able to change them. Even if you try your hardest to get them to pick up speed out of the barriers, it's just not their style. So that's when they become labeled as backmarkers like I'm Thunderstruck. Great example fee because we've spoken about him a lot. Always you know that when you're mapping him, he's going to be at the back. Just back to what we're saying about what is a good draw and what is a bad draw. So we've understood on paces with good gate speed versus back markers who aren't quick to muster now. So if we're going back to what's a good draw, what's a bad draw, and that general rule that I mentioned, the general rule would be that a good draw for on paces um, is generally a low or middle draw because they can leave the barriers quickly, they can just find their spot and be happy. A bad barrier draw for on paces with good gate speed, in my opinion, is an outside draw because the chances are just in every race run every day that from that draw, you're going to have to try and get across and you might have to do extra work to get there or you might end up posted deep, which is a buzzword we're going to discuss a little bit more a little later on as well. But um, So that's probably a general rule there with on paces. So it's just having to cover more distance to establish your position, which and means burning more fuel. Yeah, burning more fuel. That's the key one. How much energy you have to use out of the barriers, obviously you want to use as little as you can because you want to conserve your energy for the end of the race. So if you're an on pacer who begins quickly, but you've drawn barrier 13, you might have to really work hard to get to the lead because there are horses to your inside that also want to be there and they're not just going to let you cross and get the cruisy time. Mm. So that's the thing about wide barrier draws for on-speed horses and I can imagine there'd be plenty of people right now thinking, but Nature Strip is very fast and he likes wide barrier draws. True, because he can literally jump a length clear of everything else in the race. So he's already out in front. Yep, doesn't, doesn't matter, matter where he is. Doesn't matter for him, doesn't <laughs> matter for some speed horses. They're literally too quick. They could jump from anywhere and they'd land up, they'd land in the front. So that that's different again. But another one for the general rule, what's a good or bad draw for back markers? Well, in my opinion, an inside barrier draw for a back marker is not good. Mm-hmm. Normally, if it's I'm Thunderstruck and he's drawn barrier one, he's probably going to be ending up last on the fence with a lot of gaps to find when the race really starts to um, pick up and they're all trying to come with their runs to win the race. So that's generally not a good barrier for, for back markers. Okay, well, I think we've made a good start here with back Barriers, but let's just take a quick break and we're going to go to the glossary with Grace. Uh. Right, well, it's been a few weeks since we've done the glossary, but it's back this week and I'm eager to see if you're up to the task, Grace. Uh, I am up to the task, but there are a lot of buzzwords to get through here, Fee. I already mentioned one, slapping myself on the wrist because we haven't explained it yet, but it's hard when you're talking about speed maps and barriers to you know, explain what you're trying to mean without using some of this jargon. So I think it's a great one to apply the glossary to. Yeah, so we're going to put a minute on the clock and I'll start firing some of these buzzwords at you and you've got to try and get through as many as you can within a minute. Mm. Let me just put a minute on the clock. Okay, ready, steady, go. Race shape. Well, this is a really good one to start. Okay, race shape uh, is the tempo at which the race is predicted to be run and therefore the overall shape of the race. Is it a slow race shape, fast race shape? That's what a race shape is. Leader dominated. 
oh, this is what we've just discussed, actually, when you've got a leader um, that's fast out of the barriers, but then really slackens the tempo and doesn't go along at a very fast speed. Therefore, he's awfully hard to run down. That is a leader-dominated race. Sit up for the swoopers. Okay, uh, that's the opposite of leader-dominated. So that's when the leader or multiple speed horses go way too hard in front. Then they get tired late, they fade late, and therefore those out the back that have conserved their energy are the ones that are advantaged by that race shape. Outside leader. Okay, so this is a position in running. The outside lead position is when your horse settles outside the leader, one off the fence, but just off the leader. Okay, well, that's a minute, and we still have quite a few to get through, Grace. So, (laughs) what we'll do is we'll just keep going through the rest that we've got without the timer on. So, you can (laughs) can relax a little bit now. (laughs) Damn it, I failed, but it's way too complex to go faster. Yeah, yeah. These aren't exactly buzzwords that require one or two words to explain. It's, It's a little bit more complicated this week. So, our next one is box seat. Okay, so this is another um, position in running. And so the outside the leader is one off the leader, but still facing the breeze. The box seat is directly behind the leader on the fence. So you have only got one bum in front of you and it's the leader. That's called the box seat. Okay. And what about one out, one back? Okay, so this is you are following one bum and the one bum that you are following is the horse that's in the outside lead position so you've got one horse to your inside that's the one in the box seat and the one in front of you is outside the leader so you're literally one out and one back okay midfield with cover If you're midfield with cover, it means that you've found a really nice spot in the run. You have just sort of been neutral out of the barriers. You're not fast, you're not slow, and you've been able to slot in maybe one or two off the fence, but you've got a horse in front of you as well. That's called cover when you're not facing the breeze. Um, So you're just in, in the ruck of the race, but you've got cover. So three wide, no cover. What does that mean? So uh, not a great position to be in. If you're three wide, no cover, it's when you've sort of just been neutral out of the barriers. You try and cross, but you just cannot find a spot. You can't slot in to get cover anywhere. So you're posted deep. That means that you are facing the breeze, out on a limb, covering extra ground, having no protection from the wind, no slipstream effect. Um, You're doing it pretty tough out there. Three back the fence. So if you're settling three back or four back the fence, um, it's that you've probably drawn a low barrier, then horses uh, to your inside have actually begun better than you. You've ended up out the back of the race, but on the fence because you're a back marker. I'm thunderstruck if he's jumping from barrier four. Um, there's a high chance that he's going to end up probably back on the fence if barrier, if the horses in barriers one, two, and three begin quicker than him. So that's that running position, three or four back the fence. Okay, Grace, just two more. What does it mean for a jockey to hand up and what does it mean for a jockey to cross? So if a jockey is handing up, what that means is that they're on a horse that's begun really well. They've got good gait speed. Um, They might be from barrier one, find themselves first out the barriers and leading up the field. But there's that horse that we discussed, like, for example, Nature Strip that's drawn out deeper, got great gait speed, and he's cutting across the field. The jockey on the inside might choose to hand up his position. So instead of holding the lead, he's allowing that horse out deeper to cross ahead of him. That's called handing up your position. Then crossing, I suppose, is the um, exact same thing, but it is that horse out deeper that's looking to cut across. So Nature Strip from Barrier 11 um, will be hoping that 
barrier one's going to hand up to him to give him the lead to allow him not to use up too much energy so that he finds that leading position or outside leading position relatively easily. He's crossing with the intention to get there with doing as little work as he possibly can. That's really well explained, Grace. We might have not got it done in a minute this week. but uh, I don't want to know how many minutes it took. (laughs) Let's move on to speed math. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. All right, let's start really general with this one. What is a speed map, Grace? Okay, so we've just discussed um, different positions in running. The fact that some horses are really fast out of the barriers, others are slow, others are just neutral. All of that information allows us to create what is called a speed map. And this is the starting point of all form analysis that I do. So what a speed map is, is you actually come up with how you think the race will look once the horses leave the barriers, let's say in the first couple of hundred metres. You literally um, can work out the horses that are likely to settle on the speed, the horses that are likely to be midfield and the horses that are likely to be at the back. You can work out if those speed horses are going to go at a fast tempo or at a slow tempo. Therefore, you're going to work out whether it's going to be leader-dominated or set up for the swoopers. You can work out whether those horses that have drawn outside barriers are advantaged or disadvantaged because of where they're going to settle in the run. So you literally create your own sort of diagram, your own picture of how the race is going to look. So you might have seen, um, you know, on different form websites or apps or, um, you know, on the television, on the, on the broadcast, that they show you how the race is going to look through their own speed maps. Um, and it's just their opinion of how the race is going to set up out of the barriers. So Grace, off of these speed maps, the horses jump out of the gates. The speed map shows us how they think the field is going to set up based on their gate speed. Now, there isn't a lot of change in the setup throughout the races there. Like once the horses get in their position, there's not a lot of changing of position through the middle stages. Yeah. So once you know the setup, it sort of stays there until the last, well, once they come around the bend, yep. heading for the finishing post. Yeah, exactly. So once all the horses have all um, found their running positions and they're all settled in whatever positions they are, generally they won't change too much. Sometimes they uh, will change when those back markers might really want to get into the race because they realise the leader's going too slow and 
it's going to be too hard to catch unless we make a move now mm-hmm. that then the race shape and, and the field structure might change um, sometimes horses that are posted three wide no cover might say well stuff this I'm doing way too much work out here by myself I'm going to go forward um, and just try and get a bit of a breather by not covering as much ground they might take off in the mid stages as well but generally once the horses have found their positions out of the barrier it'll stay that way until the home straight So that's what we're looking for. We're trying to predict what that is going to look like. So then we can also have a go at predicting what happens in the straight. Yeah, that's exactly it, Fee. So ultimately, we are trying to work out the settling positions of every single horse in the race um, because that is going to help us work out who the winner is. Mm. I mean, that's the puzzle that we're trying to solve, isn't it? So that's how speed maps are the start of everything because if we know that the horse that's going to lead this field is the only horse with gate speed in the race can get to the front so easily doesn't go along too fast can just be relaxed and actually has a really good sprint to finish that horse is going to be so hard to beat so if you can understand the speed map and as a result the race shape you've got a really good chance of trying to predict the winner as well okay so now that we understand what speed maps are and what they can tell us how do we figure out what horses like to settle on or off the speed Great question, because that's the next step, isn't it? So it's all well and good to say, oh, that's what a speed map is, but how do we work it out? (laughs) Okay, so the first step is that if you don't want to try and do your own speed maps, um, you can definitely cheat by just looking at any format, the racing.com website, for example, the Sportsbet app, they will all have a function um, which provides their own version of the speed map. So it's, again, the the form analyst's opinion. Um, The racing.com one's probably more visual. It literally looks like out of the barriers, this is what the horses are doing and it will show you um, quite visually where they're going to settle. Whereas I know on the Sportsbet app, uh, it more so just tells you every horse where they like to settle in the run. Are they usually leader? Are they usually a back marker? Do they usually settle off midfield? So that way it gives you a good guide on the horse's general running style and then you can work it out yourself. So there are lots of places that you can find speed maps um, and just rely on this, the speed map work that other people have done. Or you can try and do it yourself, which on Ladies Who Punt, we strongly recommend because we're all about explaining and decoding the different topics, but then applying them for yourself because it is actually a lot of fun once you understand it all um, and can try and solve that puzzle that I've spoken about. So if you want to um, try and work out your own speed map, well, a really good way to do it is to watch replays. So when I'm doing form um, of watch a lot of replays most people watch a lot of replays and for me it's more so key to be actually watching what happens out of the barriers because that gives you an indication of the type of gate speed that each horse has so the beauty of watching replays for example is you might see on the sports bet app that a horse is a back marker has only had a handful of starts but if you actually go and watch the replays you can see out of the barriers that they actually begin really well but because they've drawn a wide barrier for example the jockey decides to conserve energy early and just take a sit to go back to the rear of the field so as to not have to try and cross and use that energy up early so they actually have got good gate speed but they have just been settling in a back or off midfield position so that's the 
that's the beauty of watching replays and you can do that through the racing.com website for example here in victoria you can watch replays for everything you can even watch replays for jump out so you can watch replays for trials all recent racing and i think it's really important if you are watching replays to see what happens out of the barriers because that way you can see what a horse does on a regular basis um, and you can start to create your own speed maps and, and work out what sort of style each horse has out of the barriers. The other thing you wanted to talk about in terms of settling speed was distance, Grace. What does distance have to do with this? Okay, so this is going to the next level. So everybody strap yourselves in. (laughs) So we've just talked about how horses have got good gate speed, like to settle at the front of the field. But let me tell you that distance is key. So if we've got a horse over 1600 metres that pings the barriers and leads, It is a general rule that if that horse then was to drop back to 1,200 metres, the horses that he would race against over 1,200 metres would have more gate speed than his rivals over 1,600 metres. What that means is that he's not necessarily the the leader over 1,200 like he was the leader over 1,600. He might be way outsped at 1,200 metres and actually settle midfield. So even though you've got a horse that might be um, settling, for example, midfield at 1,200 metres, 1,200 metres, keep settling midfield, but then goes out to 1,400 metres, if you watch the replay about actually how well they leave the gates, you might find that they can settle much closer, if not on speed, when they step up to 1,400 metres. So that's something I always look for. Yes, this horse likes to be on speed, But what distance has it been running over? And now dropping back or going up in distance, how does that impact where he's going to settle in this race? So the next thing we want to cover is how different tracks suit different horses. We talked about this a little bit in our tracks episode, which you can go back and listen to if you haven't. It's a really good one. But let's go a little bit more in depth on this one, Grace. So different tracks definitely suit um, different racing styles. So if we're talking about leaders, um, clearly leaders and on-speed horses are advantaged at more tight turning tracks like Mooney Valley, like Cranbourne, Mornington, those tracks which are just really small tight turning tracks by nature makes it more difficult for the back markers to wind up and properly let down because they're sort of turning on an angle Mm -hmm. those horses that are on the fence leading or maybe in the box seat which is on the fence but just behind the leader they don't have to cover as much ground they can sort of rail really well um, and then they've only got a short straight and they're really hard to catch so leaders and on-speed horses are generally um, very much advantaged at these tight turning tracks like uh, like I've stated then we go to the opposite of that which is the big long straights of Flemington and Sandown, even Caulfield to an extent, bush tracks like Terang, Swan Hill, they've all got really long straights. So if you think about it, if you're a horse on speed um, and you're coming into the home bend, those behind you have got a lot more opportunity to really balance up and let down full stride to catch you. So that's when those midfield horses and back markers have got a better opportunity to overtake you. So that's just an example of how different tracks can suit different horses. But I will say, again, it all comes down to the race shape because even at Cranbourne, a tight turning track, if the leaders go too hard in front and they go too fast tempo, 
Well, they're going to get tired and the backmarkers who have done no work are going to be storming home late. So let's go to our example race, Grace. I'm really excited about this to apply all of this knowledge we've just picked up. Which race will we look at? So we are going to go to Sandown this Saturday and we're going to look at race eight on the program. This is a listed race over 1,400 metres. It is called the Anniversary Vase and it is run under handicap conditions. So as we explained in depth last week, what that means in a handicap race is that it is your weight is based on your handicap rating given to you by the Racing Victoria handicapping team. So top weight is the highest rated horse in this race and the lowest weight is the lowest rated horse in this race. So we're going to take a look at this race because it's a good one to firstly create our speed map, then work out what the predicted speed and therefore the race shape is, work out who is favoured and also who is disadvantaged at the barrier draw, and then overall, who does this race best suit? So as we go through with this example, you can take a look potentially at the Sportsbet app. If you go to this race, race eight at Sandown on Saturday, and you press the speed map button, it will show you where each of these horses generally like to settle in the run, what style of horse they are, or maybe you want to go to the racing.com website and take a look at the speed map there, or racing and sports, or the punters.com.au website. There are plenty of different places that you can um, take a look at the speed maps that those different publications have put out there. For the sake of this learning exercise, we're going to go through and do it ourselves, but feel free to just take a look and see um, for, I suppose, that visual aspect to really understand what we're talking about as we go. So Fee, let's start by taking a look at the on-pace runners in this race. So it's a 13-horse field. Now, if I'm going down and looking at each and every horse in this race, I can tell you that... Buffalo River from Barrier 7 will want to go forward because he loves to lead. This horse loves to get to the front. He's got great gate speed and he loves to bowl along, which means he doesn't go too slow through the middle stages. He really just likes to sort of get into his work and be in a really nice, strong galloping rhythm. That's what suits this horse best. So Buffalo River from Barrier 7 will definitely be an on-speed horse. So we can map him going forward into a leading position. Another horse that we can take a look at is Great Again, horse number four from Barrier Four. He likes to be on speed, but the way that I'm looking at this race um, is that while he likes to be on speed, I think he will be crossed by Buffalo River. I think Buffalo River is faster out of the barriers than Great Again. So when I'm mapping Great Again, I've got him just behind the speed still right there but allowing Buffalo River to go ahead of him in the run so he's just behind the speed is great again horse number four the next on speed horse in this race is number six a horse called Zeigfeld Uh, he loves to be on speed again Um, barrier 13 for him that is the widest barrier draw so really tricky one to try and work out what the connections are going to want to do with him. Do they want to try and cross, go forward, risk wasting a lot of energy in that early stage of the race? Or do they decide to try and conserve their energy and ride him a little bit more further back in the field? So I've got him on my speed map out deep on the track 
um, but really not certain about whether they are going to really push the button and go forward or go back. So he's a really tricky one to try and work out, not certain about him. So that's Zeigfeld. Now, the other horse in the race that I would consider to be a non-speed horse is number eight, thought of that. This horse is very similar to Buffalo River, the first one we spoke about. What suits this horse best is bowling along at a really good gallop. These sort of horses don't have a good sprint finish. Their asset is their stamina and their ability just to keep going at one solid speed. Um, It doesn't mean that they necessarily fade and lose the race at the end because they're really strong to and through the line. They have a high cruising speed, not a high sprint speed. Exactly. So their asset is to really roll through the race. Thought of that over... Uh, 2,000 metres, 1,800 metres, 1,700 metres, as I'm looking back through his form, has led on all of those occasions. From barrier two, with Linda Meach in the saddle, who is one of the best front-running riders that we have in Victoria. She loves to go forward on horses. She rates them really well through the mid-stages, which means she doesn't go too slow to allow the back markers to get into the race. She actually just goes at a really good tempo to give her leader every possible winning chance. So she's on board this horse. This horse is going to go forward, but this is the next thing, Fee. We've got four horses that we've mentioned that all like to be on speed, but all of them are either first up or a gap between runs. Mm. So that's the next step. We, we know that these four horses that I've just mentioned from varying barrier draws all like to race on speed. But when you think about their training preparation, I really doubt that the trainers of these horses are going to want to go too hard first up because they just want to ease their horse back into racing. They want to get fitter through this run, maybe step up in trip next start, get fitter again, and then third up, fourth up is when we'll see them really start to let roll because they're fit enough to cope with that sort of um, racing tempo and that racing style. So while I think all of these four horses, maybe not Zeigfeld, we've just decided, so maybe three of these horses are going to go forward, I don't necessarily think they're going to go too hard, which is the next step of the speed map. So we've worked out who the likely speed influences are going to be on our map and where they're going to end up in the run. But the next step is to work out how hard they're going to go. So for me, they're probably just going to go at an even tempo, not too hard, not too quick, just a nice gallop, which actually suits every horse in the race. Okay, Grace. So we've covered the front runners. Which back markers here have drawn a suitable barrier? Okay, so when I'm taking a look at the horses that I think are going to settle out the back of this field, um, we're looking at a horse horse number two in fact called just a canter if you take a look at his general settling position it's normally toward the end of the field and if you take a look at how he begins from the barriers um you know he's not overly fast away the fact that he's drawn barrier 11 here i think they're definitely going to go back and conserve energy aboard just a canter horse number two another back marker might be a horse by the name of biometric from barrier 10 Uh, he's likely to, again, conserve energy from that draw as well because he's not one that's got great gate speed. Normally, he settles towards the rear of the field and the fact that he's drawn Barry 10, I think they'll be going back aboard him as well. So those two are the main backmarkers and just some of those that I expect to settle midfield with cover um, would be the likes of Superium from Barrier 1, 
uh, Exolita from Barrier 6 and Arameo from Barrier 3. They are all going to get a great run in the race. They're all going to have to do no work. They'll just literally jump out of the barriers, land in a good spot um, and be in a nice rhythm through the race. They will obviously be dictated to by the speed at which the leaders are going. And as we've just discussed, I think the leaders are just going to go at a nice, even tempo. Now, there's one other horse that I want to mention, and it is the favorite, number five, Regards Marie. This horse raced last Saturday and was a winner on that occasion. So on the quick backup here, racing seven days later, he's stepping out from 1,200 meters to 1,400 meters. He's drawn barrier 12, which is the second outside barrier in this race. He usually likes to run just behind the speed or midfield, but not too much further back than then, than that. Given that this race is a bit of a target race for regards, Marie, I wonder if they do a bit of a tactics change and maybe even notify the stewards and therefore the general public that they're going to go forward on him from barrier 12 because it's not a great barrier draw for this horse Mm. in the sense that he might end up in no man's land. He might try and come across to settle midfield but be that horse that's three or four deep with no cover, which is not good. They won't want to do that. So they've got a decision to make. Do they try and slot in, risk being posted deep? Do they go forward or do they go back? Tricky to work out, but key because he's the favorite in the race. So I would I would think unless we see a tactics notification that they will try and slot in somewhere. Um, but if they don't, he might be the one that sort of makes that early move to get into the race to try and save some ground, you know, at the halfway mark or as we are approaching the home bend. So I think I've verbally explained how I think this race might map. Obviously, if you look at a speed map yourself or even just get a piece of paper and like literally write down what I've said, um, it's all opinion-based. So this is just literally my opinion, but I do these speed maps for every single race and you get start to get a really good feel for what's going to happen. So I hope that's made a little bit of sense for you. Yeah, Grace, that's all so interesting and really insightful into reading how this race is going to play out. But who do you like in this race? What is, what is all of this data telling you? Okay, so then this is the final step. We have worked out our speed map. We have come up with our predicted speed, the race shape, how fast we think this race is going to be run at. And I think it's just going to be run at an even tempo. Um, So now we need to work out, well, what does this all mean? What is this telling us about who the winner might be? Who was advantaged at this race shape and because of these barriers? Who's disadvantaged? So the sum of everything that we've just discussed is that I think a horse like Regards Marie, while there's a lot to like about him, barrier 12 means he might end up in no man's land and might have a really tricky run in the race. They might be forced to go forward and use up too much energy. They might be forced to go back and concede a tactical advantage to those that are closer to the leaders than he is. So Regards Marie, um, I'm going to say, is disadvantaged at this barrier draw the ones that are advantaged um, is probably the horses like Arameo from barrier three and Exolita from barrier six because they can just be midfield on a nice even tempo they will have done no work to find their positions and they should be off the fence so they don't 
they will hopefully be able to sort of fan out at the top of the bend and get clear galloping room pretty quickly and be close enough to the leaders to be able to run them down. So they're, they're probably the two that are best advantaged at this speed map. Um, Zeigfeld, we touched on him. He's 2,000 metres back to 1,400 metres. He probably sits midfield. He's probably disadvantaged from barrier 13. Buffalo River, thought of that. They're both going to roll forward. It's fine for them. Um, I know they're both nice horses. They might need this run for fitness, but I can't really knock them on their barrier draws. They'll both go forward. I expect them to both be leading and outside the leader. So the sum of everything is the two sweet spot horses for me on this speed map is Arameo and Exolita. <laughs> So, Grace, this week's question is from Annabelle. Thank you so much, Annabelle, for sending this in. She asks, how much control does a jockey have over the horse's settling speed in a race? Really great question because we actually haven't touched on this so far um, as we've been decoding this topic. But it is a really important one because we've been talking about the gate speed that horses have out of the barriers. Some are quick, some are slow. Some of those slow gate speed horses Uh, can have their jockey really urge them out of the barriers, really ride them to hold a position close to the speed. So to answer Annabelle's question, the jockey has a great deal of control over the horse's settling speed. Other times the horse, the jockey can hand up and really grab hold of the horse out of the barriers to settle further back. What the jockey wants to do out of the barriers has a huge impact on where the horse settles in the run. Now, what is also important to note here is that before the race and before the jockey goes and gets legged aboard the horse and goes out onto the track, the trainer and the jockey will have a discussion, a little team chat about what they want to do out of the barriers. It's just a tactical debate. It's just a tactical discussion. So they might say, let's use the example we just had, regards Marie, barrier 12, what do you want to do? The trainer will say to the jockey, yeah, it's tricky. I think we try and slot in midfield somewhere, but if we can't find a spot, maybe we roll forward and and see if we can get somewhere on the speed without doing too much energy. That's the plan. So then the jockey will go out and try and implement that plan. Now, it doesn't always go to plan, unfortunately, especially if the decision had been pre-raced to go forward, but then the horse is really slow to begin, not concentrating in the barriers and misses the start by a length or so. Sometimes the jockeys will really try and urge their horse to quickly muster and get there, or they'll just revert to plan B and have their horse wherever it lands. So the jockey will have a plan in their head and they'll try and implement it to the best of their ability. But Um, you know, they've got a really big say on where the horse settles in a race. Well, Grace, thank you so much for that insight. But that is all we have time for this week on Ladies Who Punt, another really uh, intense, info-heavy episode. We hope you've enjoyed it. I've had so much fun, by the way. So next week we'll actually be having a week off. Grace, you're away at the Warrnambool Carnival. You must be very excited. Are you a regular attendee of this carnival? I am a regular attendee of the Bull, the Warrnambool May Carnival. So um, for me, it's one of the best 
carnivals on the calendar and that goes um you know against the melbourne cup carnival and the autumn racing carnival i love going to the bull for the may carnival each and every year so yes my bad that we won't be releasing an episode next week but i'm so excited to be at warnable and if you are listening in now and you see me at the races at the Warnable Carnival, please come and say hello because I love meeting our listeners of Ladies Who Punt because, well, if you love our content, then I love you too. And that's just the way it goes. <laughs> and while we are away on that, Grace, meeting our listeners, I will be getting stuck into some planning for our first ever Ladies Who Punt race day meetup. This, yeah, this was an idea we floated around on our socials a few weeks ago and many of you were keen for a race day event. So we've listened and planning is now underway for that event. That is absolutely something to look forward to, Fee. And when we are back in two weeks, we'll be covering quite an important topic, which is jockeys and understanding the important role that they play and also some of those finer details when we get to apprentice jockeys and claiming in races and things like that. So we'll be discussing all that. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss that episode when it drops. For now, guys, if you are enjoying the podcast, please make sure to share Ladies Who Punt with your friends and family word of mouth is the best way for us to get new listeners on board and if you aren't following us on socials yet you can find us on instagram twitter and facebook at ladies who punt so we hope that you enjoyed today's episode as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you and hopefully it helps you find a couple of winners on the weekend so enjoy your racing and we'll be back in two weeks time with another episode of ladies who punt 